The short game is listener-supported on Patreon. If you'd like to support the show and join us on our Discord, head to theshortgame.net or patreon.com slash theshortgame. Welcome back to The Short Game. This is a show about short video games, games that respect your time. I'm Reagan Kelly, and I'm joined this week by two fine co-hosts. Laura Nash. And Shane Kelly. And this week, we are talking about... Um, someone else pronounce this for me, please. Yinglet. Reagan, how you I've been are it. the host of this show. And You also when chose the game. <laughs> you, you chose this game. It was your pick. I just, I just didn't want to be wrong. I don't know how to pronounce uh, Ying. It's spelled. And you Y-N-G-L-E-T. thought that I, on the spur L-E-T. of the moment, when asked to introduce the game with no prior warning, would do better than you. Okay. I think Laura did a creditable job uh, pronouncing the name. Of, of guessing. So yes. thank you. <laughs> thank you, Laura. So Yinglet, uh, assuming we're all pronouncing that right. Spelled Y-N-G-L-E-T. Yes, yes is a game for Mac and PC, and it's on Steam and uh, the Itch store. Uh, I came across this one, I think I got a marketing email or something, and it's something about it kind of stuck in my head. I think it was something about the uh, the marketing text that describes the, the play as jumping between bubbles that float in the sky like you're a space dolphin. And uh, something about that stuck in my head, and then when I saw this game pop up on Steam... Uh, I and I was looking for something to play. I decided to give it a shot, and it seemed kind of perfect for the show. I'm really glad I checked it out. This came out about two weeks ago, so we're not exactly being timely here, but not that untimely. Yeah, and it is that niche, not a platformer platformer that we like, where there's a lot of mm-hmm. very unique art. There's, uh, as they call it, a needlessly complicated soundtrack, and there is a lot of thoughts in about two hours which i always dig yeah yeah so the gameplay wise they describe this as a platformer which is a bit of a stretch they say it's a platformer with no platforms uh you play as uh, it's a 2d game and you play on a sort of flat 2d plane top down ish yeah top down ish but also is it top down because there's gravity pointing at the bottom of the screen correct uh so who knows up down Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, and, uh, you know, in, in the traditional side-on platformer perspective, one assumes. Uh, and you're playing as a strange-looking line art creature. Uh, maybe it's a yinglet. We'll never know. Uh, there's no words in this game. And uh, this creature, it looks sort of like an, a microbe, but sort of like well, a... Like yeah, an there are actually lots of words in this game, <laughs> but none of them are in English. Yes. Yeah, that's true. There's, there's. Well, we'll come to the the map and labels and things in a little bit. But um, yeah, it you're you're this strange sort of betasseled jellyfish ish, but it's not swimming. <laughs> Stingray. I haven't jumped in trying to describe this game yet. I have my description, but I'm really just enjoying hearing you guys uh, struggle to describe the player character of this game uh, as a betasseled bitass- squid. <laughs> I was calling it a, a, if you tried to draw a jellyfish in ASCII and then you just blurred all the edges, which is a terrible description. It's a sort of like an architectural looking alien uh, lamp. With, it's got some French. A, a dash. <laughs> yeah. I, I love it. It's Tentacles. It's, uh, yeah. 
Well, I don't know. Are they tentacles? They really just sort of seem like they're they're trailing like tails because it's it's, it's like not, they beaded don't seem... fringe on a dress, yeah. attached to a body, and it seems like it would be squishy. Yeah. So I think the the key thing to take away here is that this is a game that is not trying to be representational, but it's also not being abstract. There's also what if of it little... was? And that's how we described it. <laughs> oh boy. Um. There, there's there's so, yeah. I mean, it's it's entirely possible that like we just missed the lore bible on this game, and that there's like. Some really specific details. So this is a bit of a sidetrack, but something I thought was extremely funny was that uh, on the developer's um, Twitter, at one point he posted, uh, I I forget exactly how he phrased it, but it was something along the lines of uh, that he'd illustrated a comic explaining the backstory of the game. What? (laughs) And I looked at it, and as far as I could tell, it was a series of entirely unrelated images with no text. <laughs> it was like completely abstract. <laughs> uh, you know, it's oh yeah. I mean, the game actually has a plot in a very, very vague sense. the The beginning image when you boot this game up, you are you see uh, you know in the side long or perhaps microscope down or perhaps x-ray view whatever whatever uh perspective we're meant to be seeing this game from you see the titular creature i assume that's the name of the creature i don't know that for sure the creature that you play as in this game kind of wiggling his way or her way or its way around in a bubble or or i don't know orb or pool or something a, a roughly circular container, uh, which it seems to live in with several friends or prey or I don't know. Um, Listener, you cannot see the look Shane has on his face, but it is a mix of sly glee, snobbery, and I am so I'm glad I'm not it. describing this. See, he's got this just ineffable joy on his face while Reagan is attempting to describe what is happening in this very abstract non-platform. I have to to add the one detail that really makes this moment, which is that you are looking at these creatures that my first impulse would be to describe them as, uh, as like microscopic organisms moving around within like a a bubble of water. Um, But then one of them has a TV and they're watching the TV and they see on the news <laughs> that there is an asteroid coming their direction and it hits their tiny home and their tiny home explodes into a beautifully illustrated map of Copenhagen. That's what happens whenever an mm-hmm. asteroid hits. Which surely you re- you recognized without any uh, any difficulty. No, I definitely had to look up some names of places. <laughs> I uh, was confused because I'd recently been staring at a map of Copenhagen like you because do because we were planning a trip pre-pandemic and I was looking at things I had and deciding if I wanted longingly. to keep it. <laughs> longingly but it was abstract because that was a week ago and I was looking at this map and saying this looks like Denmark and I don't know why <laughs> and then eventually I drag up the map and said nope it's Copenhagen <laughs> it's a beautiful map it is a beautiful map. So, so my way of explaining the aesthetic of this game is uh, probably going to be hit or miss, but it really hinges on another game that it is visually in lots of ways very, very similar to. And that game's from uh, like 15 years ago. And that's the game called Flow from that game oh, company. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, 
I mean, anybody I remember Flow? Fl- yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, uh, Flow was a PlayStation Three game. I um, I didn't play it back then. Yeah, but it was I've originally a it. Flash game. Oh, I didn't realize that. So I loved Flow, and Flow has a very very similar protagonist, if you want to call it that. Um, in in Flow, you are playing as sort of a uh, betasseled squid, so to speak. <laughs> and you are uh, really, it, it is very much that aesthetic of, of these things being microorganisms, like you said earlier. Um, in Flow, it is kind of a game that's, does the name and the concept of the game kind of revolved around the concept of a flow state um, in video games. And it was kind of a, a chase game, you know, your your little microorganism would kind of float through these levels and you would steer it around to eat other things and um, almost snake-like uh, it would grow as you did so and you would go kind of deeper and deeper. Uh, the gameplay here is pretty different, but in actually a lot of ways it's it's quite similar. There are kind of similar chase sequences with other little uh, maybe microorganisms. Uh, there are, uh, they are both games that really rely on kind of stark illustrated forms um, for their levels and the inhabitants of those levels. So I think this game really, really owes a lot to that one. I definitely see it, but I also think this one, um, you know, they, they, it puts the platforming uh, very much forward. Flow was more sort of like, you know, gravityless uh, flowing around, right? I've described the movement in this game as swimming in air (laughs) because you've got this dangly body and you are sliding between platforms, not platform platforms, little, little shapes. And there's a nice resistance where you kind of slide as if you're on water between a a lily pad and not you, you kind of land and there's a good push and pull animation trick where you, feel like you're there's a little resistance when you're landing on something sticky or solid and eventually you'll get a a dash that lets you kind of jump ish um arc your way a little more but a lot of it is this uh interesting movement pattern where you're not walking you can't stop in the middle but you can kind of launch yourself as if you're launching through something membrane-y to get to another side yeah the most unique thing to me is really that that fake membrane when you take off on a little launching pad and then you soar for a bit uninterrupted and then when you land you also have that gloopy landing. <laughs> There's no wet sounds in this game. Oh, whew. yeah. Just saying, but it, it feels like the movement would have paired with wet sounds. Yeah, I could see that. The um the description that they gave about it uh, floating between bubbles that float in the sky like you're a space dolphin is really apt. Uh, you know, the, instead of platforms, this game features these shapes uh, in various configurations, um, and the uh, you know the the leaping between the shapes between shapes you have gravity when you're inside the shapes you're gravity less, um, and it, so it does have this sort of feeling of like floating in a bubble of water that's floating in space. Um, but the, uh, the sort of gravity when you're outside the bubbles, uh, definitely has that sort of like realistic ish arc to it. Um, and the, the dash was super, super fun to use. You unlock this dash really early in the game. Um, and 
the main thing that makes the dash so interesting to me was that you know you get one dash when you when you go out of a bubble uh, you get one dash to propel yourself towards the next bubble so if you don't make it to the next bubble you're trying to get into uh, you fall and if you don't hit anything else on the way down eventually you fall out of the world and die and you you reset to your last checkpoint um, but if you uh, if you dash and you uh, you make it into a bubble then the the you know, the single dash you have resets, but there's other things that can reset your dash as well. So for example, there are platforms that you'll bounce off of or, um, platforms that if you dash into them correctly, then you'll bounce off of them. Uh, and there's a few other things that can kind of reset your dash as well. And so, uh, by doing these sort of tight little platforming or rather sort of dash maneuvers, you can sometimes chain multiple dashes. Um, and that's really kind of fun to do. It's really, um, uh, it really feels acrobatic. Um, and you have to maybe, you know, get these angles just right in order to manage some kind of chain of multiple dashes to, uh, either make it a long distance or collect a bunch of objects in an area without landing in a bubble first or things like that. Um, it's a, it's a fun acrobatic game that, you know, has a movement system that is, you know, it's not like a platformer. It's not like a, you know, it, it feels closest to me like Eco the Dolphin in space. Um, but it's, uh, it's, you know, it's not really like anything else I've ever played. I incredibly appreciated the leniency of the checkpoint system mm -hmm. where if you just hang out on one of those membrane bubbles, uh, a little pink border will show up around the edge and it will be your checkpoint and save your spot. So how many times you fly off into space? Uh, I used this quite liberally, especially in the later levels when I wanted to see kind of what was on the side I couldn't see yet. So I'd fling myself off the side of the screen to get a preview of the area ahead. I don't know if that's cheating, but it was very helpful. Yeah. And I loved the generosity of that system, not to mention there are a bajillion settings that you can adjust every bit of difficulty on this if you need it. Yeah, it, it's uh, that, that checkpoint system really is nice and clever. Now might be a good time for us to talk about the sound in this game, which I think might be the yeah. most technically accomplished thing in the game. Um, yeah, and the uh, the developer was clearly proud of it because, like, one of the three sentences in the description is talking about what he calls his uh, the custom and needlessly complicated music software, uh, which is very true. We played a lot of games that do sort of generative or reactive music, um, but this is one of the better examples of that that I've seen. sound, but it's clearly working from some kind of palette to make all of the sounds, um, you know, cohesive and sound like they're part of a musical piece together. Uh, and so every time you do something like, you know, dash or jump or leave or enter one of the bubbles or stop for a moment to create a checkpoint uh, or bounce against a wall, 
all of those things have associated sounds and it all kind of builds up a little soundtrack to the game. Um, I thought it was a really, really successful game in terms of like generated music. Yeah. Algorithmic music is uh, something that you often see in these minimal games. I don't know what the association is there, but it's, it's something I think you see, I think about games like, um, well, flow for one, but, uh, I remember pixel junk Eden was a big favorite of mine. It had that kind of algorithmic music and it also had, uh, little doodle critters. Um, there was that game, Hohokam, I think about uh, There's the, um, Ape Out, Ape Out. Yeah. Ape Out. Mm-hmm. which is a totally different yeah. vibe of music, but also was the sort of thing where like it felt like you were playing a musical instrument while you were playing that game. And this game, one of the interesting things to do is just put the controller down and kind of step back. And it kind of like slowly strips away the different elements of the algorithmic soundtrack if you're not interacting with it. And it goes down to kind of just the beat. Like if you just sit the controller down and leave... Uh, which I did at one point because I was I was reading something and I was still listening to the soundtrack and I was like, hmm, that beat there. <laughs> <laughs> so it's it's pretty cool. Yeah, I love how it pairs with color because there are a lot of little drifting illustrative elements in this game, but occasionally, kind of like that pinball game Inks that was on uh, iOS. I think it's now part of Apple Arcade if you've... Yeah, that game is great, by the way. If you have Apple Arcade, you should check it out. Yes. uh, Shout out to Inks. But if you... Occasionally, you would interact with something floating by or something on the screen, and it would explode in color. Often, you'll land on these bubbles, lily pads, whatever we're calling them in this minute of the episode, and they would suddenly take on a colorful background, and you'd get a sound. And you'd get a bit of a safe landing noise. It's that pairing. It, it seemed like this game kept adding in without losing that minimalist feel. It was more and more and more little bits of sound. You're going in the right direction. You're moving. You've got a sense of flow. Honestly, I think that is hearkening back to the game flow because of that feeling of movement, that feeling of accomplishment as you're going through Uh I was very pleased, and maybe it's just chicory on the brain, that it's got this black and white line work that suddenly explodes into color. I Maybe that's the theme of the month. Let's see what else. Any more black and white gets colorful games we can stick on the calendar? <laughs> I'll see what I can come up with. Uh, but yeah, like the, the, the art style of this was really beautiful. Something I noticed about it right off the bat um, is that I, I don't know the technical details here enough to really explain myself very well, so bear with me. Um, you know, most games that feature two-dimensional art are doing essentially sprites, right? So they've you know mm-hmm. drawn the art, and you know it comes on screen. Maybe you know in in whatever way it comes on screen, it's it's a whole thing, right? Whereas like this feels like they're using some sort of system to draw the art as lines. The reason I say that is that like every time the uh, elements on screen, like, you know, your character or the bubbles that you're floating through or whatever appear or disappear, they animate in, in a way that looks as if the lines are being quickly drawn. Um, And you notice this immediately because even if you're watching that like intro sequence where it like plays out the little, I guess, like cut scene where the, where the, um, you know, the little bubble home gets assaulted by the, by the uh, meteor, 
anytime you hit a button to like end that cutscene early and go to the menu, it doesn't just disappear or fade out. It undraws itself. The lines disappear in, in like line art E looking ways. I don't really know what the like technical side of this is, but it feels to me a bit like the difference between like pixel versus vector art, where it's like, Mm -hmm. it looks like this game is being drawn with vectors rather than uh, with, you know, pasted up. Mm-hmm. pixel art and it's really effective even in those like really small subtle animations where you see things just appear or disappear in just these incredibly cool ways it feels brushed the mm-hmm. the animation that comes from that that i really really liked the best um is so uh, you mentioned earlier that any of the blocks that you land on could be a uh, checkpoint and you know if you fall out of the level it's going to reset you to the checkpoint so i have played lots of games that and this is really great in platformers. It's one of my favorite things a platformer can do uh, is, is giving you a quick restart. The ability, like if you fail, uh, you know, fail fast and then start again right away. And this game does that. And it's letting you start from wherever you want almost because you can start from, you can pause at any block to set that as your restart point. But the animation that it does for this is really subtle and very, very cool because it's not like it's just like a cut like a lot of games would do saying like, okay, you're back where you started. It's more like you're falling out of the level and then you're falling back in to the level again and landing where you were. And as you're falling, all of these blocks and elements are redrawing themselves around you. There's a kind of a kinetic element to it that is really cool to see and it just feels propulsive it keeps you moving forward it feels very circular uh whether you're resetting because you've hit a button and said i want to reset the level or because you've flung yourself off the screen as i did many many times it feels as if it is right and necessary that you are back home (laughs) like ah yes (laughs) you are meant to do this It, it often it can feel like a a hiccup when you die and it's like a disappointed developer has given you the chance to do it this game it feels like it almost was on purpose that's interesting yeah Uh, you know something we the other the other aspect to this that we haven't talked about is like what really are you doing in each level um the game loads you after that initial cutscene onto the massive map of copenhagen and then scattered around the map um are these little sort of pulsating circles and each of those has a label of a, of a place name. Um, and I believe they correspond to real places in Copenhagen, but don't, uh, don't, I, I don't know Copenhagen. So don't, uh, don't quote me on that. And, uh, you can go over to those and, um, they show you some objectives, which might be like collect, uh, you know, X number of weird floating colorful blobs and also one microbe in this level. And I'm saying microbe in, again, we have no idea what anything is in this. You know, it could be, could be city buses, but whatever it is, uh, you're supposed to collect it in, in these levels. And so when you load up one of these levels, um, you can then mostly you're going left to right, but these are really two dimensional, uh, endless planes. So you can go up, down, left, right. Um, you have a kind of a ping that you can do that causes the objective, which is, I believe, the little like microbe guy that you're there to 
rescue question mark uh is uh he will ping back at you uh, and it's kind of subtle so i didn't realize that was what you could do at first but like the same button that does the dash if you do it while you're inside of a bubble it does this sort of ping and then you get a little ping response so you get a vague idea of like okay i'm supposed to go that direction uh, and then you begin leaping and and squirting yourself across the screen to try to get in that direction and it has puzzles of a sort, which are mostly just sort of traversal puzzles. Like, how am I supposed to get from here to there? And and it might be like, oh, well, I need to realize that I need to use my dash in a new way uh, that I hadn't really employed before. Um, also, it does these little tutorial levels. So obviously, there's a lot of times where you're going to need to use these dash tool, you know, the tools that it's given you, the dash in some ways that you haven't done before. And rather than expect you to just totally figure that out on your own in the context of the level, um, it has a bunch of these sort of in-between levels that are like mini levels that are just a single screen and are there to teach you one mechanic. So for example, you know, at the first time, just before they introduce the blue walls or lines that you can bounce off of, uh, it wants you to learn that you bounce if you hit those, but also that you can dash through them if you don't want to bounce against them. And, um, you know, it needs to teach you that. And so it gives you a little one screen mini level that requires that uh, before it dumps you into the larger level that is going to use that in more interesting ways. So um, I really appreciated that those little mini levels just sort of quickly teach you a mechanic and you don't have to feel lost or wonder like, am I doing this right? Um, it teaches you the important mechanic and then you generally use it in the next level. I appreciated that it included a kind of collectible mechanic where there were different stretch goals, but you always had those little mini lessons like arc in this line or learn how to, as you said, use the blue bouncing wall or all of these things feel like they add to each other. And if you wanted to, you could fly through those tutorial levels, but they make sure you understand them. I think it's very helpful because there's at times a, such an open map. You can go anywhere. You could get very lost in this game. Uh, I think that the ping and the tutorial, these little things help you, move with some confidence, even if you're moving in a direction that doesn't need to. I, I think that you are going to be traversing these maps very smoothly mm -hmm. once you've gotten these things under your belt. And this is very much like what, what I think of as like the, the Mario uh, level design trick uh, or like tutorialization trick, which is that like every Mario game ever pretty much, and I mean, I do the very best job of explaining this, but they have this, this really elegant tutorialization style where they usually, uh, if they're going to introduce you something new, they introduce it to you on its own in a place of safety. And then you experience, you know, then you encounter it again in a more hazardous situation. And then usually you encounter it with a twist. And then maybe if they want to go one further, they encounter, you encounter it in combination with something that you've already seen before. So they build on these small challenges. This does quite a bit of that. So, you know, you, you encounter these new mechanics in a little isolated place of safety, and then it builds on it with more and more, um, uh, you know, elaborate setups in the actual levels where maybe you have to use something in a new way or you have to use it very skillfully or then it starts combining it with other things you've seen before. Uh, and it had a good build in that way. So I, I liked the level design in that way. So I don't think I have much else to say about uh, Yinglet. It is a very short 
I think they uh, initially describe. I saw it described some places as like an hour and a half. I think that's how long to, how long to beat has it about an hour and a half. Although I spent about two and a half hours with it, um, but certainly uh, in the two hour range, uh, and uh, it's about five bucks. And uh, it came out about two weeks ago, uh, so I think you know early June 2021. It's on itch and Steam. If you buy it on itch, you can get a Steam key as well if that's a thing that you care about. Um, and, uh, I would definitely recommend checking this out. Uh, I also, uh, we didn't mention play it with a controller. Uh, it mentions that right on the front page, but, um, I think this would be very, it, it needs an analog control. So I think it'd be pretty hard to play, uh, with mouse and keyboard. It's really designed around a controller. Um, I played the mouse. Oh, you did. But, How was that? But that was mostly because my controller was dead. I think it was just fine. I think there you can use the arrow keys or you can use the mouse to click where you're going. It's directional. Uh, okay. So the mouse controls are to hold down, uh, to click where you're going or to hold to, you know, go a little faster and dashes the other mouse button. So on a Mac, it was two finger clicks. So <laughs> dash was a little tricky just because two finger click is a, not the easiest thing in the world. If I had a proper mouse, it would probably be simpler, but I didn't have any problem. I also imagine that the game did a little bit of adjustment knowing I was not using a controller. It felt as if it was helping me a little bit. Yeah. I mean, I think it does have a little bit of that sort of aim assist built in. Um, Mm -hmm. So it, even with a, even with a controller, it seemed to sort of guess at where I was trying to dash to a little bit occasionally, Mm -hmm. uh, or maybe just give me a little bit of extra length on a dash if it would have just barely gotten me into a bubble. So um, that's cool. So yeah, definitely recommend checking this game out. And uh, it's in all the places I just described. Uh, We have a little time left. So before we uh, do our outros and everything, uh, why don't we talk about what's making us happy this week? Shane, what's making you happy this week? I'm a man of simple pleasures. What's making me happy this week is the cool, refreshing taste of sparkling water. Ooh. (laughs) I love that, honestly. Okay. Okay. Good. Yeah. I'm glad to hear it. It's definitely the weather for for that. So I've got a few favorite brands of sparkling water that I'd just like to talk to you gamers about. Lovely. (laughs) This is not a sponsored... Making us happy, by the way. No, no, absolutely. Um, so here in Texas, we have uh, made up in Austin a really lovely brand of sparkling water. So if you're in Texas, you might pick up a can of Rambler. <laughs> God, that's the most Texas brand name uh, ever. Rambler, you can get at most Texas stores. And, uh, you know, I I appreciate the flavored Texas water, uh, but I, I generally, I tend to reach... For unfiltered, unflavored, not unfiltered, filter it, please. Uh, Unflavored water. Give me the brown stuff. I like my water clean. Yeah. Just carbonate the lake for me, partner. And so, you know, Rambler is great. Uh, But I, I, the the reason I'm bringing this up is it's not that long ago that my previous preferred brand of sparkling water, Topo Chico, Mm -hmm. was purchased by Coca-Cola, which, you know... Now I'm no longer. I don't want to be supporting big water. I want. I want my little waters. So uh, there's that. I'm also quite fond. I've grown quite fond of uh, another brand of water called Agua de Piedra, which is down out of Mexico. <laughs> oh my gosh, James. Agua de Piedra is a is a brand of water. 
if you don't speak Spanish, that means water from a stone, um, which, you know, most mineral water is filtered through stone. So that's the <laughs> meaning of the name there. And it's a good brand. But my new favorite, um, I recently picked up. I feel like from we're being local... trolled. I feel like this can't. No. Change... You're trolling me. Please. Oh, you're what's... absolutely being trolled because my favorite what's new brand me happy is the I'm holding right so... here is a brand name Liquid, Liquid Death. Death. Liquid Death Sparkling Water. Their can reads, Murder Your Thirst. So uh, <laughs> I think this I'm is so really a triumph right of branding. Uh, this is from the Austrian Alps. Which, Ladies and gentlemen, it has a skull on it. It has a melting skull in... the. I think the most important aspect of uh, Liquid Death is that it is something that you can drink with, you know, your punk rock friends. Because it's sold in a large... Uh, 500 milliliter tall boy rockers known for their love of sparkling water well i like sparkling water but i like to drink tall boys when i'm kicking back with the dudes so Mm -hmm. uh that's what liquid death is all about and i think if you look at the side of the can of liquid death i just want to read to you a little bit from from this this infinitely recyclable can of stone cold sparkling water came straight from the Alps to murder your thirst. (laughs) Our proprietary thirst-murdering process begins with the liquid death forming a rope of veins that will wrap around your thirst's head and strangle it. Once liquid death reaches your thirst's brain, all of your thirst's memories will be replaced with repeating loops of its own head imploding, which is exactly what happens next by it causing your thirst's head to implode and its brains to squirt out of its ears. Once your thirst has been murdered, the soul of your thirst will begin to escape and float towards the ceiling. At this point, drink a second sip of liquid death to rip its soul back down and force it to begin gluing its own body parts back together so that it can crawl back inside you and eventually grow a full-formed thirst once again. You're making this up. and every can has some, you know, uh, actually, uh, every can I have read has had a different method of death for the thirst written on it. Oh my gosh. I am a big fan of this as a, just a, a branding project. Uh, apparently, they created Liquid Death. As a, as a really good way to sell tap water. Mm-hmm. <laughs> as a really good way to sell tap water. Um, well, it's actually from the Australian Alps, as it says right mm-hmm. here, where it is canned. But, um, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a good brand of water, uh, and uh, I, f- I found it at Walmart. I was a little surprised by that. <laughs> um, seems That's... like the kind of thing that you wouldn't see everywhere. Uh, and, uh, yeah, so I just wanted to make sure you all were updated on what I'm drinking and uh, what's ha- making you happy this week. Well, honestly, that endorsement has sent my – joy through the roof so thank you i listened to this it sent me into a deep despair yes well (laughs) i'm okay with that so this week (laughs) slate's decoder ring did an episode essentially on the hydration uh as a selling point like why we all suddenly drink so much water and why we are all obsessed with hydration and they go into the marketing of water i wish that uh, was it Willa Paskin. I wish Willa Paskin had heard of Liquid Death because I'm sure it would have gotten a five minute segment on the show 
had she been informed. As it did on ours just now. As it did on ours, which is wonderful. Um, mm. That's a great episode, but it's not what's making me happy. I am also a simple lady who watches too much TV, and I have recently very much enjoyed the second season of Mythic Quest. I think that it is a messier season than season one. It's not quite as tidy. It's more ambitious. It's got a lot of feelings. I love a workplace comedy that also makes me think a lot about what I'm doing with my life. And nobody, I will go on a limb and say no other TV show is using their Apple money to have better needle drops than Mythic Quest. Last mm. season, they ended by playing all of <laughs> my chemical romances. <laughs> Just, you know, Welcome to the Black Parade or whatever that song is called. They played the whole damn song over the end of their, their season. And it was perfect. This season also had a song I'd never heard of. It was a great needle drop. I think it's a show that is fun and meaningful and it's very hard to combine those. So I didn't love every episode, but I was very moved by the story. And it's one of those ends of a season that could be a series finale, which makes me very excited for season three. So I want my shows to take risks. I want to not have a clue where the next season goes. That's awesome. You know, it's funny. Like I was about to potentially list another Apple TV Plus show as the what's making us happy this week. Again, I, we're not sponsored. We're not sponsored. I swear. <laughs> but if you'd like to, uh, the uh, the frustration here is that I had a free trial of a, a full year free trial of Apple TV Plus that I got along with I think an iPad purchase. That's just the mm-hmm. thing they were doing there. Um, and it wasn't until what I think is the last two weeks of my trial that I started actually watching any of the shows on there. Um, but I am currently, uh, in the middle of the first season of for all mankind. And I was going to recommend that to everybody who likes space stuff. Space. Um, it's, it's actually like, I, I don't know the, from the concept. I wasn't sure I would dig it. Um, uh, but the, the premise <laughs> is it's an alternate history where the the very first episode begins you're what it's you know it's the 1960s you're watching a moon landing it, all the imagery looks a lot like the imagery you're familiar with from the original moon landing um but there's something off something strange people seem somber and out of the the lunar vehicle comes uh a russian uh who says something to the effect of you know he comes in peace uh you know for the uh for the the marxist leninist way of life uh as the first man on the moon uh so the the us has lost the race to the moon and um this begins uh a uh, the the show is sort of a what if of like what if the space race never ended so if we hadn't so decisively won the space race against the russians at the beginning of the space race by I mean, they got the lead on us with uh, with Sputnik and whatnot, but what if they beat us to the moon? Um, it's kind of continues that story onwards. Well, like the one-upsmanship never ends, and the, the premise of this show is like an endless space race that goes much longer than the actual space race ever did, and uh, you know has is full of dramatic space vehicles that that never actually existed. Uh, but it's done in a very uh, like realistic style. Um, so you you get these personal stories. It, it feels like it could be the like big budget HBO dramatization of the actual space program, but it's not the real space program. 
And you know, Reagan, I have watched literally all of those. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Hi, hi, Ron Moore has made a show for me that I somehow haven't watched, mostly because I'm hoping I can convince my husband to watch with me. Um, I've also heard that it solves feminism. Oh yeah, this is Ron Moore. Oh, that that guy. I just you're, you're right. Like I, I didn't put any of this together when you just said that. I clicked the Ron Moore link on the Wikipedia oh, and yeah. looked at the career list, and it's like oh 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 all oh, of oh. Star Trek and also Outlander. So. Oh right, okay, this guy. Yeah, well, okay, mm-hmm. yeah, um, yeah. It's it's a it's a good cast. I didn't actually realize the pedigree on the production side, but that makes some sense because I'm really been enjoying Battlestar it also Battlestar Galactica? So Am I remembering that correctly? Uh, according to Wikipedia, yes. Yes, yes he's correct. the showrunner of that as well. So, uh, yeah, good and pedigree. something called Helix that I don't know what it is. What is Helix? Anyway, I'll look that later. Um, yeah, anyway, I wanted to recommend this show um, I'm only halfway through the first season, but, uh, I am mainlining it now and there's a second season coming soon. So if you have Apple TV plus, or if you don't, you probably will get a free trial of it. Um, Apple is handing those out like candy if you buy basically anything with an Apple logo on it right now. So, um, you know, check it out there and, uh, cool. and if you don't have HBO watch from the earth to the moon. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There you go. But yeah, um, I've I've been really enjoying it. And uh, that's what I would recommend this week. So listeners, thank you. You are also making me happy this week. Thank you so much for listening to The Short Game. Uh, And thank you for supporting the show in any way that you feel able. Uh, There are many, many ways to support the show. Uh, The biggest is just helping us spread the show by telling friends about it or suggesting the show to people that you know who might enjoy it. Um, those are the same thing, unless they're not your friends. If you know people who you don't like that you think would enjoy it, I suppose that counts too. So anyway, both of that. This stands. Uh, I won't edit If they're out. cool, if you don't like them, but they're really cool. Mm. Or like if, they, if you know like an a-hole, but lo- they love podcasts and games. Yeah, yeah. If they suck, but they like podcasts, it's still okay to tell them, I think. I would say. I- I'm okay with with uh, real jerks listening to the show, as long as they don't contact me personally. Um, so yeah, uh, tell your friends about the show is the the gist of this. I need to shut up. Uh, also, you, if you want to support the show in a more direct manner, uh, then you can go to patreon.com slash the short game and uh, support us there uh, monetarily. And if you give us even a dollar a month, uh, mere pennies, uh, then you get instant access to our Discord, which is our community for the show. It's where we talk about what we're playing. It's where we plan episodes. It's where people dunk on me for no reason. Uh, and uh, oh, so you can <laughs> never for no reason. <laughs> oh, so There's can... always a reason. Uh, I have I... my reasons. I have my reasons. It's out of love. Uh, you can join us there and you can dunk on me too. Uh, I give you permission. So uh, that is uh, patreon.com slash the short game. You can also find the website www.theshortgame.net. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at underscore short game. You can find me on Twitter at Reagan K. That's R-A-Y-G-A-N-K. Laura, where can people find you? On Twitter at Laura J. Nash. And Shane, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter at 8BitShane. Oh, but I wanted to remind my listeners. My listeners. uh, One more thing about Liquid Death is that if you go to their website, you can sell them your soul and they will give you a free 12 pack. (laughs) Good to know. I think I'll take them up on that. Thank you, Shane. Uh, So yeah, listeners, uh, enjoy this sponsored by Liquid Death podcast. Uh, No money changed hands. No no money changed hands. What else are we sponsored by this week? 
Apple TV Plus. Apple TV Plus. And thank you so much for listening to The Short Game.